How's your cheese ball? It's delicious. Are you going to be crunching that the whole episode? Yes. Wow. Good afternoon. My name is Josh from Troop 24601. Okay, you're fired from the intro. <laughs> Hello, I'm Josh. And I'm Sydney. D- wait, do you? Okay, let's, maybe I should introduce you. I'm Josh and you're Sydney. Wait, she's Sydney? Do I say you're Sydney or she's Sydney? Wait, so here's the real question. When we're podcasting, are we talking to each other or are we more talking to the listener? Or mix of both. Mix of both. Hmm. Hmm. So it's like a spectrum, right? When I say you, it could be a hundred percent you as Sydney, or it could be say that zero percent on the spectrum is talking to the listener, and a hundred percent is talking to Sydney. And throughout the episode, it will vary. So sometimes we might need to specify whether we're talking more on the like left side or on the right side. Sure. Maybe left is a uh, sunflower, and right is a uh, conch shell so it's like on a scale from sunflower to conch shell who am i talking to unicorn i don't think (laughs) (laughs) we are uh we're two minutes into the podcast and i'm already crying (laughs) oh my gosh (laughs) i'm probably the only one laughing probably yeah i guarantee no one thought that was as funny as i did (laughs) me too I just, I crack myself up. I know. You're your own biggest fan. Yeah. Someone has to be. And that's me. And that's you. Yep. Congratulations. Anyway, this podcast is called Thanks for Participating because we are participating in the things that we decide to make each other participate in. Yeah. So maybe maybe one, one day we'll actually figure out how to explain our show. Maybe. It's kind of complicated. Actually, it's really not that complicated. It's just I introduce you to new things. And you introduce me to new things. Yeah. And then we talk about it. Mm. That's the most important part. Couldn't have a podcast if we didn't talk about it. That's true. We could try podcasting live next time we do an adventure. Oh, yikes. <laughs> I don't know that we could fees all of our audio equipment on the mountain like that. No. Spoiler alert, this episode is about snow skiing. Which I had never done until a few days ago. Right. Anyway, what else do we have to say about our show? At the beginning. Do we even know how to make a podcast? No. Yeah. We kind of suck. The real figuring out how to make a podcast is the friends we make along the way. Okay. (laughs) (laughs) On that note. Sid, how was your holidays? On the day we're recording, it is December 30th. So we just had Christmas. Tomorrow is New Year's Eve. How have your holidays been so far? They've been great. Really? Yeah. Tell me more about that. (laughs) Like what? Like... What we did? Sure. Well, we you spent... Know, just flow of consciousness, whatever comes to mind. Well, we spent Christmas Eve with your family, and then we participated in the sacred holiday tradition of going to IHOP on Christmas Day with my family. Right. And then we went skiing with your family, which is what we're going to talk about. Mm-hmm. And we got lots of good presents, and it got lots of good quality time with the people we love. Yeah. It was a good time all around. Mm. What about you? The pop filter on your microphone's covering like your whole face except for like one eye. Anyway, same with you. Ooh, can you tell that I'm making flirty eyes? Yes, except it just looks like you're squinting. Cool. 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 Cool beans. Beans. Cool beans. 
<laughs> we need to watch that movie again. Not sure. <laughs> Tell me about some of the gifts you got. Well, I got skis and a whole bunch of skiing equipment. Wow, what a coincidence. I think we are going to do a podcast episode about skiing soon. Oh, wait, we're doing that right now. Okay, so. <laughs> yep, and I got a planner that I've been searching for for years. Yeah. And it has changed my life in the few days that I've had it already. <laughs> nice. And I got a cool jean jacket. Cool. And some eyeshadow palettes. You know how much I love eyeshadow. How many do you have? Like at least six, seven? Wait, so you wanted the new makeup bag. Did you mention that yet? Yeah, I got the new makeup bag too, which I've made you obsess about with me multiple times. Because it has the slots that you move around to make space. And it finally fits all my stuff. (laughs) Did you want that specifically for your eyeshadow palettes? Well, I wanted it because all my stuff was exploding out of my current bag and I wanted to be able to fit it. Right. You just told me that you wanted a large makeup bag and I had no real reference on what the size was. And so when I was looking around for some to give you one, I just tried to find what seemed like the biggest and hoped that it fit the size that you were looking for. Well, it was perfect because it does fit all my eyeshadow palettes, which I have... Uh, so far. Wait, let's see. Four nits and then two the two... Well, three of the two-faced and then like the mini stuff. I have nine. Nine. Nine eyeshadow And how many like eyeshadow colors are there on each palette? Depends on the palette. Like I have a couple that are like smaller and have only like six or so. And then I have, I say like six of them are bigger and have 10 to 15. Okay, and here's then I the... have one that's really big that's got like 30. Okay, here's the real question. How many applications does each little square of eyeshadow powder give you? A lot. Wow. So... In terms of uh, fortnights, how long will those nine uh, palettes last you? Very long time. But how many, like, fortnights? I'm not going to... Can we say at least two? Oh, here's what I'm saying. Do you think you're going to acquire more eyeshadow palettes between now and next year's Christmas? Yes. So are we going to need to find an even bigger makeup bag? Just one. I just want one with really bright, vibrant colors, and then that's it. I'm done. Okay. Maybe. Wow. Okay. I think I can handle that. (laughs) (laughs) I just want like bright reds and purples and stuff that I can put on my eyes. Because right now the ones I have are like more neutral colors. I'm wearing purple right now, but you can't really tell that it's purple Mm because it's coming out as more of like a brown. Right. And I want one. It looks very nice, by the way. (laughs) Thanks. But I want one that will like. I like how you laugh whenever I give you a compliment. It looks nice. You're just like. (laughs) I just, I don't know how to... Yeah, that's fair. Neither do I. Yeah. All right. You didn't ask me what I got for Christmas. What did you get for Christmas? Um, let's see. Um, you gave me a Mandalorian shirt and a Mandalorian sweatshirt. It's pretty cool. It's like a camo hoodie with the mythosaur skull on the front of it. Okay, I know It's probably the only thing that I've ever owned with camo on it that I've actually wanted to wear. Okay, I know we've seen, like, I've seen the Mandalorian with you, but what is that, like, thing on the front? The mythosaur or whatever? Right. It's, uh, so from what I understand, it's like a dragon or dinosaur, basically, that lived on the planet Mandalore. I think our listeners will probably correct us if I'm not getting this wrong, but it's, I think it's extinct. But the ancestors of the Mandalorian warriors could tame that and ride it, because in the first season of the Mandalorian, that Ugnat guy that was like, I have spoken. 
Yeah. He's trying to get Mando to learn how to ride those big hippo pig looking things. Yeah. And he's like, oh, I can't do it. I don't know how to do it. And he's just like, you're a Mandalorian. Your ancestors rode the uh, legendary mythosaur. And anyway, and he has that necklace thing. And so at the end of the first season when, oh, spoiler alerts for Mandalorian, by the way, if you haven't seen it. But at the end of the first season, that forger, what's that word? Like metal forge lady. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm, t- I'm talking about? Yeah. She tells him that he has to take Baby Yoda as a foundling. And then he gives Baby Yoda that necklace with the mythosaur skull on it. Gotcha. But it's like, I think it's just the kind of pendant for Mandalorian. Like specifically, I think the Mandalorians that choose to wear the armor. Because I think Boba Fett had it painted on his armor. And when they go into the covert, like there's a big one over like the entryway, I think. Cool. But it's freaking sick looking. Yep. I also got a new backpack and I got some ski wax and that was a good Christmas. It was. All right. Should we jump into skiing now? Sure. Well, Josh, tell me about why skiing is so important to you. Well, babe, this is the way. (laughs) My dad has grown up skiing and taught himself to ski. And ever since I was young, he has taken me skiing every winter. Uh, I don't know how, I can't remember how old I was, probably five or six the first time I was skiing. But when skiing really took off as one of my all-time favorite hobbies was when I was in fifth grade. You know what, I'm going to check how many ski resorts there are. I'm going to do a quick Google search in Utah. You know how, like, one of Utah's, like, slogans or mottos or whatever? Best snow on earth. Best snow on earth. Yeah, I do know. There's uh, one of our license plates has the... The skier. The skier going on the thing thing. I've always been partial to the Arches license plate. But I haven't, I feel like, do they even make the skier one anymore? Yeah, they do. Because, well, at least last year when I, a year and a half ago when I bought my car, they said, they, they were like, do you want the skier, the Arches, or like, just like the plain white? Like, I want the Arches because it's going to look sick on my blue car. And it did, till my blue car broke down. Okay, so it says that there are 10 world-class ski resorts in Utah within one hour radius. Of the Salt Lake Airport and plenty more scattered around the state. Um, I'm trying to see a grand total. Basically, Utah has a butt ton. You got a fast car. You know that a butt ton is an actual unit of measurement? Is it a... Does it have to do with boats? Oh, it's a butt load. A butt load. Right. Because it can either be a butt-sized load or just a load of butts. <laughs> it is equivalent to 384 gallons. 384 gallons? Yeah. All well, right, let's see. it's supposed to be for like a load for like a heavy cart. So like 48 bushels, which is the equivalent of 384 gallons. All right. So I am seeing about 15. Yeah. 15 ski resorts. In, uh, and this is coming from visitutah.com. Hmm. Utah, life elevated. Basically this state. Yeah. But anyway, there's this. When I was in fifth grade for Christmas... I was given a Ski Utah passport, which honestly is so cool because it's this booklet with three tickets to every single ski resort in Utah. And so as a fifth grader, you have that passport and you can get a lift pass to every resort three times each. And then as a sixth grader, you can get the same passport, but it's one lift pass for each resort. And I can't remember how often my dad took me, but it feels like pretty much every weekend during the winter that year and the next year he was taking me. And so where I grew up, there were three resorts that were pretty close. 
and then just plenty of other ones that were within an hour or two drive away. And so the three closest ones that I grew up going to most often was one Powder Mountain and another one that was called Wolf Mountain. I think now it's called Nordic Valley. And then the third one was Snow Basin, which is the one that we went to. But that's the time where I where skiing clicked the most for me. I accelerated in my skill, I guess. But then since then, you know, skiing's pretty expensive. So I've only been able to go one or two times a year since then. Yeah, it does cost a lot. <laughs> but the what's great is every year when I go skiing again for the first time, I get clip on the skis and I go down the mountain and it's like it's only been a day since the last time I've been skiing. It's just I feel like it's something that you only have to do one or two times a year and you can still, you know, you don't get rusty at all. Like once it like clicks for you. It's like riding a bike. Right. Maybe. Except that bike is going terrifyingly fast downhill. Yeah. <laughs> well, if you get on a bike and you go down a hill without knowing how to brake or anything, it's going to be the same way. That's true. That is true. Anyway, I thought I remembered that that Ski Utah Passport for the 5th and 6th graders was only like 20 bucks. I looked it up now and they're currently retailing online for $49. So I don't know if it's gone up or that's just how much it was. That's still really cheap, considering it's like 100 bucks to go skiing once. Right. Let's see, there's 15 resorts, and you get three lift passes for each one for $50. That's 45 lift passes. That's a heck of a discount. Yep. We just need to make sure that when we have kids, we're living in Utah when they're <laughs> in fifth grade. I always wanted to go skiing when I was a kid, and my mom was a huge skier, especially in college. She loved it. Right. But She took a ski class. At university, didn't she? Yeah, I think so. And then she like had a friend whose mom worked at Sundance or Deer Mountain or something like that and right. would like get her in. But she it's just like so expensive and we never had the equipment. So mm -hmm. we never went cuz my family spent did other things like music. <laughs> yeah. That's fair. Your family, all of you had your own nice instruments and we all had our nice sets of skis. Yeah. Also, like, buying used skis isn't too expensive either. That's true. I don't remember how much mine was for. We bought it from a guy online that was selling them, and it came with matching boots and poles, and it was when I was probably 15 or 16 when I got those, and I, I think my, my obviously my dad bought them for me. Yeah, my, like, you know, because you came over, but we, at our house, we have, like, a big tote just full of winter gear. Snow pants, different sizes, and coats, and hats, and snow gloves, and then we have poles, and ski boots, and helmets, and goggles, just plenty of surplus, so that as we were growing up, we would just go out there and whatever fit <laughs> we would wear. And it was the same kind of for you. We had, we obviously, you got a lot for, for Christmas, and then just anything else that you needed, we're mm -hmm. able to... I got everything, but then there was some Amazon drama, so then I had to borrow some. Right. Oh, also we had to go because of all because of the drama with we the did. Amazon seller. We had to go rent Christmas the night of Christmas Day. That's right. Thank goodness they were open. <laughs> yeah, I feel bad. That a bunch of sixteen-year-olds. It looked like. Except you went to high school with one of them, didn't you? I think so. So he's got to be like in his twenties. Gotcha. That was actually my first time waxing my skis. Uh, while we were there, I picked up a brick of hot wax and a waxing iron, and I don't know. I'd never done that but i've always wanted to and i always kind of assumed that it would be like a liquid wax that you just kind of rub and like polish under the bottom of your skis and i think they do have that type but the kind i got was like a candle wax almost that you melt onto the bottom of the iron 
and drip it over the bottom of the skis and then kind of iron it and smooth it over. And you have to wait for it to dry and then you have to go out and scrape it off. Yeah. And I did that for my skis and for my brother Jonathan's skis. And I wanted to see like how much of a difference that would give me in like my speed and uh, curves and stuff. But I never really <laughs> explored much of the mountain because I was... Babysitting. I was going to say fulfilling the role of instructor. <laughs> but babysitting me. Mm, basically. Yeah. But according to Jonathan, the the wax made like a pretty big difference between his skis and everyone else's skis. Cool. So I'm excited to try it out again later. You'll probably have to babysit me for a while, though. Yeah. I think you picked it up pretty good. And the other people that we've taken for the first time, usually it only took them like two or three times before they were like pretty confident on the skis. Well, I thought I was pretty confident on the skis, but... Oh, yeah. <laughs> well, yeah. So you guys took me skiing, and I went down the bunny hill the first time, and right out of the gate, like fell off, fell down, like, off the ski lift and, like, couldn't get myself back up. Right. So the bunny hill at this ski resort that we went to is just right at the bottom of the mountain, walking distance from the lodge, and it only goes up, what would you say, like, 100, 200 yards? Yeah, probably. And the, I think bunny hill is just, like, a generic term for this kind of lift that every resort's going to have. Like and, the easy hill for the learners. Right. And it's where, you know, little kids probably spend all day when they go, people that are first learning, and it goes 100 yards up, but then it's very, very flat with just a very slight downhill slope. Okay, you say that, but it did not seem flat to me. Well, so it's <laughs> it's flat, so it's very easy to control your speed, but on that very first run, we got <laughs> off, the, well, I got off the lift, you kind of fell off the lift. <laughs> Yes. But then we got you back up, and then you turned around to go down the mountain, and then you just pointed your skis straight downhill, and you just picked up speed, and you kept picking up speed, and I was trying to catch up to you. Uh, and that's that can be stop. very scary. <laughs> yeah. That's probably the scariest thing when you're first learning is when you get going that fast, and then you don't know what to do, and no matter what, like, you're going to crash, right? Yep. And, it, and just, like, knowing that is going to be, like, very intimidating i don't know i guess it's not that bad because like you're on the snow like i like fell over and it didn't hurt that bad right because so, you got we got helmets plenty of layers i felt like by the second time i went down though i like had the hang of it and so we went down the second time and i got the hang of it and then we went down like what three two or three more times and by the end of that i was like i've got this down so tell me like because then after that first time we had to take a break because you're, 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 what'd you say? My feet feel like I've just worked a 12 hour Our shift <laughs> and you had just gone down the mountain, down the bunny hill, which is like a hundred yards one time. Okay. For context, I work at a retail store that is completely concrete floors. So you work an eight or nine hour shift and your feet are killing you by the end. Like, no matter how good your shoes are, your knees and your feet are going to hurt. Mm -hmm. And so I think I had my skis too tight because by the time I got to the bottom, like they were going numb and I couldn't feel anything. And it was kind of extreme pain and I was panicking and stressed and frustrated and tired 
and a lot of emotions were going through my head and I just wanted to be done. And so I, I thought I, you were going to give up right there. And I was kind of sad because I was like, she's going to quit on me and she's never going to want to come back because she's just going to remember how frustrated it was going down the mountain one time and how much pain her feet are in. Well, I kind of wanted to give up, but I wasn't about to because I was like, I've only done this once. You can't judge something by doing it once. Right. But the perfectionist in me wanted to pick it up immediately and be perfect at it and catch up with your family my first run. Mm -hmm. Except I, it's not that way. There's always a learning curve with everything that you do. And you can't just give up on something because you didn't pick it up the first time. Right. I think a lot of the times we, as people, especially people like me who struggle with toxic perfectionism, really won't try new experiences because they're afraid of failing or Mm -hmm. looking silly or not being as good at it as they are in other things in life. And they feel like they can only do things that they're good at. But you're going to miss out on a lot in life if that's the way you do things. Yeah. And it's it can be so difficult to get over that way of thinking and feeling about new experiences or, or learning. And in this past year, I've seen a lot of um, – what am I trying to say? Uh, just that I've um, – it's come to my attention. Nope, that's not how I'm trying to say it. Just in the past <laughs> year, I've uh, – Noticed? Noticed. Or not – okay. Here's – let's uh, figure out how to make words um, – express meaning in an comprehensible way. <laughs> um, just that uh, I've learned the kind of effects that the gifted programs in schools when we were young had that kind of negative effect on a lot of individuals, including ourselves. Just that when we're five years old, six years old, and we're told that we need to go to the advanced or gifted programs in the schools and separate ourselves from the rest of the students, then we just kind of grow up with the mindset that being smart or successful at certain skills is an innate ability and it just comes naturally. And so then the rest of our lives, when things don't come naturally, it has like a very large negative impact on like our mental health, right? Yep. Oh, I know. (laughs) I'm aware. (laughs) Yeah. And and it's just like, that's something that I remember when I like got my first job when I was 14, like facing that. And then it's just kind of something that I've like dealt with for years. And I, are you okay there? No, my pop filter is not doing things that I wanted to. Okay, here. You just like bumping around the mic, making a lot of noise. Sorry. No, it's it fine. just keeps falling off. Anyway, I was saying. Toxic perfectionism is a challenging thing, and I didn't realize until this year that just those early years of elementary school probably had a lot to do with it. Yeah, and not to say that like I'm not grateful that I had those opportunities as an elementary school student, because mm-hmm. it did help me realize my potential and help me push myself to do better, but I just swung way too far on the other side. Yeah. Anyway, uh, like, I feel like what went so badly on that first run down the mountain was largely my fault <laughs> because I my plan was to get to the top of the lift and before we go down, 
to kind of explain and we'll just make our way down slowly, uh, not realizing that everything I'm going to need to explain to you is what's going to help you stay slow and maintain your speed and not get out of control. And I couldn't teach all of that to you in time for you to not do that, like what you did. And so then. Yeah, because took- you were telling me to like snowplow with my feet and like push them out. Right. You're telling me to like snowplow with my feet and push them out, but you didn't tell me to move side to side. And so I was just trying to stop myself with the snowplowing. And once you get down a steep enough slope, it doesn't work. Right. Especially if you don't haven't like you're not used to like using those inner thigh muscles, right? To it's, like push out like that. It's not even my inner thigh muscles that are sore from that. It's like the outside of my calves, they're still sore today. Oh yeah. Yes. Wow. Because, yeah, we came off the top of the mountain, and then I was just like, okay, just practicing going a little bit, and then pushing the backs of, like, the fronts of your skis in and the back of your skis out, and, like, pointing your knees towards each other, digging in to stop yourself. And I'd say, okay, and then go straight a little bit, and then do that. And we were at a flat enough spot that you could, and I was like, okay, when we get up here, let's practice, like, turning, and we'll, like, that's all I said is practice turning, where you push with one foot more than the other and you did that a little bit and then you just went straight and so then like the next time we took a little bit when we were at the bottom of the mountain and i helped uh describe to you how to gain or maintain control of your speed and direction and so the next time we went down the mountain we went all the way across the slope where our skis were uh basically perpendicular to the uh to the mountain and we would go all the way across, and then we turn, and then we come all the way back. And that way, like, you did so much better. Your poor dad, that first time after I went down, I think he thought I was done. Right. <laughs> we all thought him. you were done. <laughs> yeah, and he was just trying to give me words of encouragement, and so were you. And I was just, like, very frustrated. <laughs> yeah. You were a champ, though, because, um, like, I could tell you were frustrated, but, like, you never got upset. Like, you're probably, like, holding it all in and didn't want to lash out, but... I was definitely holding a lot in. (laughs) Yeah, but I could tell that you were, like, maintaining, like, a very upbeat approach to it. And you're just like, yeah, I just need a break. Let, like, rest my feet for a little bit, but I'll get back on the mountain. And you did. And we went back up and you made it down. And... Honestly, I was just hoping that you weren't getting annoyed with me with how slow I was being and stuff. Oh, no way. There was... Yeah, I wasn't. I, like, totally... Totally understood. Like, I didn't expect any different. Cool. Yeah, so after we did that second time down, we went twice in a row, and I felt like I really picked it up then. Right, I took a video, and you got down the mountain in, like, a minute and a half, and it was constant, like, smooth, because then I was, like, watching your turns, and your turns were so good because you weren't snow plowing, like, the whole time, like, pushing with, like, your knees together. And that's something that a lot of, I say a lot of like beginners, the only beginners that I have ever like helped to learn to ski are like my younger siblings and a couple of my cousins. But just, I've noticed that for them, they learn that snowplow and then that becomes like a big crutch. And that's like the only position that they know how to like use to like maintain control. And, and, and when you do that, you obviously have like your dominant foot. And so you'll just kind of like gravitate towards pushing on that one side. And then it becomes difficult to um, have any sort of agility over the mountain. And so when you go on different kinds of trails, 
like it can be very difficult and once it gets steeper you have to like have moved past that but like i noticed that just on the second time down you had already moved past that and so your turns you were turning with your outside ski but then you were bringing your inside ski to be parallel with that and that takes a lot of balance and i think part of the reason why that came so easily to you is because you have like experience with like ice skating experience is a loose term i took like a year or so of lessons when i was like eight or something and they used to have the rec center used to be called the bubble right because they have this bubble that they put over the swimming pool during the winter and when it was raining and stuff but then they redid it and made it like a whole nice facility and had the swimming pools inside and stuff and so that was the point where i just like stopped taking lessons because they shut it down and then i just didn't start again after so it's been at least 10 years since i took ice skating lessons probably more like 12 or 13 (laughs) <laughs> can't remember how to do any of the stuff that I learned except not fall over. But <laughs> but when we were dating, we went um, ice skating that one time. Oh, yeah. Shout out Nick and Tessa. Whoop. Um, and like you were able to be on the ice and maintain your balance and, you know, move around just fine. So, yeah, that's true, because I felt like the turning on skis is very similar to turning on ice skating. You kind of have to lift up your inner foot a little bit. To bring it in. Right. It's just uh, for someone who's picking up skiing that, you know, has never done rollerblading or ice skating or anything where you're like balancing on like wheels or blades or whatever. Learning how to control your direction with your outside leg can be very um, cumbersome. Yes. That was a good vocabulary word. (laughs) Look at me. I'm 22. I'm using big boy words. Thanks. Yeah. Well, the perfectionist in me definitely felt really good about that, especially you being like, wow, you're picking it up really fast. I'm like, dang straight, I am. I'm good. <laughs> you looked really good, too. You had, like, your new white coat for that you got for Christmas with, like, oh, and then you also, it was, it's crazy because the helmet that you had was actually the helmet I had when I was in fifth grade. Like, I don't know how that fits you. Because you have a big head. Okay. Well, thank you. <laughs> Just kidding. I probably have a small head. Right. And so when I was learning to ski and like my dad was taking me to all those places uh, with my ski passport, we would get stickers from the resorts. And so I had stickers on my helmet from all of the ski places. Yeah. Yeah. It was cool. Yeah. So anyway, I think are we finally at the <laughs> yes the I, big story? Yeah, I got this one. So <laughs> I started getting really cocky because Josh was like, you're doing really, really well for where you're at and you're like heck yes i am i'm ready for challenge so we get on the ski lift to go to the top of this trail that's supposed to be easy Uh, and come down because we had sat down and i wanted to make sure i wasn't gonna because i wanted to take you someplace where because my one of my favorite parts of skiing is exploring the mountain because you get up high and you can just look over the valley underneath the mountain and you know you're up on this beautiful slope in the forest and going on these trails can be really fun just because of where you're at and experiencing like being in the outdoors and in such a beautiful place, especially when there's a bright blue sky. And I just wanted to take you to have like some sort of like that experience, but I wanted to make sure I didn't take you anywhere where there wasn't something that you could handle on the way down. And the, the mountain that we were at doesn't have a lot of that available Beyond just the bunny hill at the bottom where we were at. But they did have one trail that was all green. 
Right. And so we were going to go down that. So there were like two or three other lifts that had uh, a couple of these green easy runs on the way down. And so we decide, I wanted to make sure you're okay with it, to go up this uh, one. And so if, let's say that the, I don't know, I tried to look up uh, the distance of these like trails and lifts and stuff. I couldn't find it online. But if the that bunny hill was just a couple hundred yards, then the, the trail that we were going to do was maybe two or three miles. Yeah, but we didn't realize that from the picture. At least I didn't. And so, oh, I, I, yeah, I was fully aware. I didn't realize that you. <laughs> that was that was also bad on me, is I didn't, I didn't convey that to you that it was going to be a much much longer. Well, I figured, like, I knew it was going to be longer. I just didn't realize how long. Right, we were going up the um the well, lift, well, and first... it got super super windy. Yeah, it started snowing, and it got so windy, and we're riding up the lift, and the wind is like blowing on our face. And I'm like, man, this is a really long lift. Like, this this is taking forever. <laughs> right. We'd get to the top of a little hill, and then we'd go over, and then you'd see that we'd go, have to still go up a whole nother one. And you're like, oh, man, this is really long. And then we'd get to the top of that little peak, and then we, we'd still have a whole nother mountain to go up. So Yeah, and so that's when I started to realize that, like, maybe I had made a mistake. And then we get to the very top after a long time, and all the other ski lifts... Well, the other ski lift for the bunny hill, you just put your feet down and it was level with your feet and you just ski right off the ski lift. And so I was expecting that, except this one was weird and you had to jump about a foot onto the like hill where you rested your skis and then skied off. And that hill was really steep, like way steeper than the other. And so well, I- there, there was a, a platform. Uh, it was a lot shorter than the one the bunny hill was where you could put your skis down. Yeah, but it was like a foot from my feet. Right, so... I had to jump. Yeah, but if you would just like... I didn't like warn you that you should scoot to like the edge so that your like feet hang down lower and it would be easier to stand up. So when you had your back all the way to the back of the ski lift, like, yeah, your feet are going to be like like higher. And so I also like didn't help you as much. So I went down. Well, so I'm... We're coming up the ski lift and I'm panicking. Because I'm like, okay, this is a foot from my feet, and the hill that you ski off is a lot steeper than the other one. And so I'm like, I'm going to fall off this ski lift. And by the time we got to the platform, I it didn't register in my head that I was going to have to jump. I was still somehow thinking in my brain, like, maybe it'll fit my feet once we get over it. And then we get there, and it's not that way. And so... The ski lift passes the hill and starts coming around. And then I'm panicking again because I realize, like, I missed it and I'm going to go back down the mountain if I don't get out now. And so I jumped out of the ski lift and it was like eight or nine feet. And I just went for it. Oh I'm actually surprised that you didn't just, like, be like, nope, I'm not doing this. Peace out. I'll see you at the bottom. And then just try to ride <laughs> it down. <laughs> I don't even know if they will let you ride the lift back down the mountain. Well, what would they do? Stop it and make me get off in the middle? I have no idea. I've never tested that. Yeah, and neither have I. And I wasn't about to, so... So you decided so I to jump. <laughs> so <and> I jumped. <laughs> yeah, but it wasn't, like, too high because I I come off the lift and it's the... Like, yeah, it was kind of steeper hill than the other, the bunny hill, but you just, like, ski down and it was probably only... 
six or eight feet like forward, but like a little bit steeper. And by the time I have like cleared that unloading area, I turn around and you're <laughs> you're on like the unload slope, but your like skis had come off and you had like <laughs> sprawled out. And I was just like, oh shoot, what happened? I jumped. That's what happened. Oh man. I'm sorry. <laughs> yeah, and so that should have been another red flag right there that I couldn't even get off the ski lift. But then we come around the mountain and start going down and just right out off the bat, I'm just falling and falling and falling. And I like it took me like a solid fifteen minutes just to get around the first bend. And we still had plenty to go. <laughs> yep. And I you know, I kind of was shocked at how difficult that run down the mountain was for you just based on how um well you had done on like the previous two on the bunny hill and because like it was green and it was like a well-groomed trail and like yeah there was plenty of parts that were steeper but not like incredibly steeper and um because you had done so well like turning going back and forth on the mountain i was like once you have that down which like you did like that's all you need to be able to go down once it gets steeper because that's how you maintain your control. And I don't know if it was uh like anxiety or I, like a mental block. I think it was a mixture of panic and tiredness because my muscles were getting pretty tired and yeah. then after that first little bit I just kind of gave up cuz I was like this is not going well. <laughs> yeah, because like when we were going down, you fell over, you know, a good number of times, but it was never really a, like a crash because you would go back and forth a few times and then you come over to the side of the mountain and then you just kind of fall over. And I, I was like, is she just like giving up like that often just to like take a break before she like gets back up to go down? I like wasn't quite sure what was happening, but like every time that you got down, I would ski up next to you and I'd let you like take a break however long you needed before I helped you back up and we keep going. Yeah, I think it was tired and also there were times where I just felt like I was going too fast and so I just crashed instead of going faster and crashing you know and so but I did stand up on my own for the first time right down that run yeah that's that's one of the most frustrating things about learning to ski for the first time is once you're down getting back up is so tricky and it's like your skis are slipping, you have to maintain your balance and get your butt up over the back of your skis and you have to have like the muscles to just like stand up and it's really hard to figure out and that's probably the most frustrating. I remember when I was little, at least it was. Oh, that was definitely the most frustrating part of the whole day was just trying to stand up, especially on that run. I was just getting so tired and I was I was ready to be done. <laughs> Uh, and it was snowing and the wind was blowing and I couldn't see through my goggles. So I was skiing without my goggles and I was. Oh, yeah, that was because once it starts to have that kind of weather, it makes it really hard because then all of a sudden you have, you know, dark gray, white clouds pretty low on the mountain. It's snowing and it's white. There's white on the ground. And when you have goggles, it kind of gets darker. And so it's pretty hard to see where you're going. And then when the snow is getting over, like, the goggles, you can't, like, wipe it off without it just, like, leaving wet. And so then it just, like, gets really hard to see. But then when you take your goggles off, it's hard because then once you start skiing, it's, like, cold wind blowing into your eyes. That didn't bother me as much, actually, which surprises me. Well, you also never were going 
fast enough for that to probably have bothered you. That's true. I never went that fast. Right. But we did make it down. There was one time where I was just like, oh, and then I started feeling sick. And I think it's because I didn't take my acid reflux medications because I ran out. Mm -hmm. But I like legit thought I was going to throw up on that mountain. And so I was just laying down on the side and I was like, this is it. This is where I die. He should just leave me. It's fine. (laughs) And I I told you the story of when we took my cousin Spencer for the first time. Shout out to you, Spence, if you're listening. We took him and he, that first time, that first year that he went skiing, was so excited because he had watched YouTube videos of how to ski and he had trying to been teaching himself uh, and he, he had gotten ski equipment for Christmas, I think. And but then we go out there and he was like shocked at just like the the book work that he had done, how little that did for him to actually like it, figure it out. It doesn't translate. Right. <laughs> it's all about feel, yeah. really. <laughs> and so same as you, like on the bottom of the mountain, he like got it figured out pretty quickly wanted to go f- higher up on the mountain, tried different trails, and got freaked out, like, <laughs> really quickly at the top of the mountain. And so he ended up taking his skis off and <laughs> leaning forward. Like, the skis are on the ground, and he laid down with his stomach, like, his chest over the front of his skis and, like, swam his way down the mountain. <laughs> I was seriously debating doing that. At multiple points down that ski slope. But, yeah, and then... I I, was thinking, like... I did say some few choice words down the slope, but I don't think Oh, it's a good thing I didn't hear then. Yeah. Otherwise, I would have left you up on the mountain. Oh, come on. No, I was running through my head. I was like, I feel like she could make it. I'll let her have as many breaks as she needs. Um, But I was thinking if she, like, absolutely gives up, it's really hard to... Because you can't, like, take off your, like, skis and walk down the mountain because walking in the snow in like the big ski boots is more work than just doing the skiing right because those skis like go like deep into the snow and they're just like really awkward to walk in and so i was thinking okay would i give her a piggyback ride (laughs) like down the mountain would i have to go get ski patrol and have them bring one of the sleds (laughs) behind the like their (laughs) snowmobiles I was thinking, like, what what are we going to do if she just, like, gives up? But, like, no matter what, like, no matter how many times you got knocked over, you, like, managed to get back up and keep going. Well, the worst thing that could have happened is me just, like, taking ski patrol down. Like, I was not about to, like, give up right. and finish. And not finish. Yeah. And, like wuss out kind of like mel on that hike to zions (laughs) so for those of you who don't know my sister has chronic fatigue and a lot of other health issues and so we're climbing do you think we should tell this on the internet you will about your sister's health issues how to phrase this kindly without making her sound like my sister my sister has a couple of health struggles and so we went for a hike in zions and we were doing Watchman's Tower, which is right at the entrance, because we did it uh, in May when coronavirus was just, like, shutting everything down. And so and only... the national parks were still closed. Yeah, so only the mouth of Zion's was open. And so we did Watchman's Tower, which 
is kind of steep a little bit. It's not too bad, but this was the point where I was still figuring out what was going on with my stomach and why I was throwing up so much. Plot twist. It was acid reflux. But then, Oh, I was going to say you're pregnant. Uh, no. <laughs> but then Mel also struggled with her health, too, and she hasn't done a lot of physical stuff because of it. And so she's climbing this mountain, and, like, she is really struggling, and she can't breathe, and she's, like, crying, and everyone is, like, encouraging her, and she's like, I felt like such a wimp because I couldn't do it, but she has, like, legitimate reasons for why she can't do it. And so this whole time, she's, like, crying, and we're, like, stopping the whole way up, and we're, like, and, like, I was stopping just as much as she was because I thought I was going to puke. And she's, like, crying. And I was, like, are you okay? And she's, like, yeah, let's keep going. <laughs> and she just, like, persevered all the way to the top. And she did it. And I'm so proud of her. But she maybe pushed herself a little bit too hard. And I definitely pushed myself a little bit too hard down the ski slope. So <laughs> <laughs> that's what that reminded me of. Oh, really? Yes. Wow. <sighs> I hope she's not embarrassed that we told that story. I'll text her before we okay. do the edit. See cool. if she's okay with that. Aight. But remember when we were taking the break down at the bottom, like halfway through the day, and I was just like I was like, Oh, you've earned a hot chocolate <laughs> And I was like, You want a hot chocolate? You're like, Yeah. So I went into the lodge to get one and they kind of have this cafeteria area where you go and they have different grills and places to get hot food and like cold sandwiches and stuff. And then you like take your tray up to like a cashier and they'll check you out. And so I went in uh, and I filled up two hot chocolates and then I turn around and I realized I did not even bring my wallet because we rode up with my dad. And then I was just like, I, my wallet is not in my ski pants. It's probably still at my mom and dad's house. And so then I was just like, well, so I went over to the grill, the guy working behind like the grill <laughs> like put them up on the counter and then he's just like what are those i was like these are for you <laughs> and he just turned around and walked oh away <laughs> and i come out and you're just like where are the hot chocolates and i was like uh i didn't bring my wallet <laughs> that's okay because by the time i finished that last run i felt so sick if you give me hot chocolate i might have thrown it up anyway so that was fine like, by the end, even the bunny hill was just kicking my butt. And I right. think it was just because I was so exhausted from the whole thing and panicking. But, man, that kicked my butt. And I am still sore from that. I will say my favorite part of the day was that they were playing jazz music at the lodge. At the... Oh, yeah, they were playing, like, old-timey jazz down at the bottom. But then they were playing 80s classic <laughs> rock at the... At the top. Like, upper parking lot so there was like a parking lot down at the lower lodge and then a parking lot up the road which was just at the top of the bunny hill lift mm -hmm. and then they had like a little uh outdoor like food vendor outside of um that parking lot or like right on the edge of that parking lot and they were like every time we'd go up the bunny lift like you could hear it right before you like get to the top and then you like get off the lift and you can't hear it but then right as you come down the mountain you can hear it again and they were playing some good queen under pressure Tom Sawyer by Rush. Those are like some of my favorite songs of all time. And I right. was like, yes. And then we get to the bottom and they're playing Corner Pocket by Count Basie and other jazz tunes that I love. And I was just like, skiing kind of sucks right now, but at least the soundtrack is bomb. One, I like once you get like good at skiing and you can 
feel better about exploring the mountain and everything, like bringing like your own music and like playing music while you're skiing is incredible. I look forward to that day when I don't suck. <laughs> My favorite part of the day was probably going to the hot springs after. Ah, oh, yes. That felt so good. Although part of me was like, we're in the midst of a pandemic and we're in a pool. We're in a hot spring with a bunch of other people. Like, am I going to catch coronavirus and die? Right. But the other part of me was like, oh, man, this feels so good. Oh, yeah. They have this uh, hot springs. They have these hot springs in um, it was about an hour north of where my parents live. And like my mom grew up going there. Anyway. Yeah, and they have and just like, a bunch of different pools that you can get in. Like different temperatures of water. Mm-hmm. And like you just get in and like just soak in our muscles was so nice. And then you ran off to do the slide 20 times. No, 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 no. My, so it was only a couple dollars extra to get a wristband so you could go on down the water slide, which the water slide also like um, ended in like a warm pool. And so my... Me and my two younger brothers got these water slide wristbands. And the whole time, right at the beginning, we were sitting in the pool. And my youngest brother kept begging me to go do the water slide with him. And probably after half an hour, I was like, okay, I'll go do it with you. And so we went and I did it three times. And I was like, okay, I'm done. And I went back to be with you guys in the other pool. And we went into like that heat cave thing. Like the steam. It's like a cave with like a waterfall. And it kind of creates this steam room right. behind the waterfall, which is super nice. Right. It was like up in this ledge. So the water was only a couple inches deep that we could just like lay, like lay down in. And then the water, like the cave came over us and the waterfall like came in front of us. And that was really cool. But then just sitting in there for a little bit, I started to get really uh, antsy, antsy, like anxious. And just like my ADD was... You know, I was like, okay, when are we going to be done? Like, I like, I've kind of always been that way about like water and uh, swimming and stuff. It's just like, I get bored, but like, like I just exhaust all of my amusement very quickly and a lot more quickly than everybody else does. And so then it's like very painful for me to sit there and wait for everybody else to like be done till like we can leave. And so like, I could tell my mom was getting kind of annoyed with me. And she was like, I'll tell you what, we can leave if you, once you go down the slide 20 times. <laughs> and I was like, no, there's no way. And then you were like egging her on. They're like, oh, like, yeah. Well, I told you, well, that's, there's like, you know what, you're like, there's no way we could do that. And I was like, well, that's the attitude of a quitter. And you were like, you know what, I'm going. <laughs> <laughs> and so I was like, I've already done it three times. I only have to do it 17 more times. <laughs> only 17. And so my my other brother, John. He's a trooper. He went to do it with me. And we, oh, man, the worst part was having to walk, like, after skiing all day, walking up the steps to the top of the water slide 17 times in a row. And then going down, I kept getting, like, after six or seven times, I was so dizzy. But we just kept going. And luckily, there was, like, no line. So we were able to do it pretty quickly. We got, like, halfway through our 20 times down the slide. And then it started snowing, like, pretty hard. And so we're, like, in our swimsuits going up this slide and at the top of the slide there's no like roof or anything so the snow is just like pouring in and we like go down the slide and we get to the bottom in the pool and then all of this like snow is coming down and like the cement on the outside is getting covered with snow anyway in the meantime i was with your parents hot tubbing and hot tubbing in the snow feels great so 
<laughs> we like each time we'd go to the top, we had this little dance because you there's no like staff or anything to like lifeguard or monitor the slides. And so we'd get up to the top and you'd have to count to 10 after the person in front of you goes. And we'd like stand in the slide and we'd look at each other because there were two slides and we'd go at the same time. And we'd just like clap and we'd be like, one, two, three. And we'd like shake our hips. <laughs> anyway, and then we'd like shout the number of this slide that we were on, like the number of the whatever. Yep. Well, Josh, any final words you want to say about skiing? Is it? Are we already? Yep. I got to go to work soon. Oh, man. Um, I guess my final thoughts are just... Are you willing to go again? Heck yes, I am. Even though it was... Pretty miserable? <laughs> pretty miserable. Yep. I feel like if I do the bunny hill a few more times, then I'll really get the hang of it and we could go down. You said Nordic Valley is really good, like beginner hills and stuff, right? Yeah. And it's like a lot cheaper. And we could go to Nordic Valley next time. Because Nordic Valley is like, has their bunny hill and then it has one other lift. They might have opened up another one. I'm not sure. But even their one other lift like is pretty easy. I think before we try going higher up on the mountain, we should just like have you practice just going faster on the bunny hill. Because you had done the turns, but you're still like maintaining a pretty slow speed. And next time we should probably have you try to like maintain your tur turns, but going more. So you're pointed a little bit more down the mountain. So you're going faster. Yeah, we could do that. Cool. Well, Sid, I think this episode, probably more so than our previous episodes, I actually want to say thanks for participating. <laughs> <laughs> You're welcome, Josh. Like, I'm glad that, because it's something that I love doing so much, and I'm so glad that you were, one, even willing to try it out in the first place, and that even though it was hard for you, I'm really excited to take you back and to go skiing our whole lives. I'm not going to lie, a huge motivation for me to keep going and persevering is you, because I know you'll be really sad if I give up. So, yeah. But the thing is, I am kind of an athletic person, and I do enjoy activities like that. Like, you know I love hiking and oh, yeah. stuff like that. And so, you know, I think once I get the hang of it, I'll love it almost as much as you do. Cool. Well, did we get any fan mail today? Uh, no, we actually didn't get any fan mail, I think, in the past week. But also, I realized that my phone with the notes on it is in the other room, so I'll be right back. Okay. <laughs> I still have that gif of Sully, where it, like, zooms up and his eyes get really big, and he's like, mmm. Yeah. <laughs> it's like my lock screen. So I go to unlock my phone, and it, like, zooms in on Sully's face, he's like, mmm. What are gonads? <laughs> <laughs> I'm censoring that. Okay, you probably should. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, let me pull up. Yeah, we didn't get any what's the word? emails this week. But let's go ahead and wrap up this episode. Thanks for participating is produced by Josh and Sydney Rich. You can follow us on TFP underscore pod on Instagram or on Twitter at the same handle, I think. No. Nope. Instagram is at TFP underscore pod. Wait, did I say Instagram? Yeah, I said Instagram. Instagram is TFP underscore pod. Twitter is TFP underscore show. Oh. Because underscore pod was taken. Dumb. Anyway, send us an email at participating.podcast at gmail.com. Our cover art is by Vaishan Brandon. You can follow him on Instagram at graphite.vmb. 
and his stuff is awesome, so check him out. And then our music, our beloved intro music, was done by Mitch Fry. Uh, you can follow him on Instagram at firefry underscore. That's F-I-R-E-F-R-E-I underscore. And also, he has a YouTube uh, thingamabob, and you can find him at Mitch Fry Music. Well, that's it for today. Thank you all for listening. Listening. Lispiting. Lispiting. And thanks for participating. <laughs> Thank you all for listening. We love you. You got a fast car. I got a ticket to anywhere. Maybe we can make a deal. Maybe together we can get somewhere. Starting from zero, got nothing to lose. Maybe we'll make something. Me and myself, I got nothing to prove. Bye. You guys say Colorado. I'm a giraffe.